321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners who are actively relaunching to make sure to register and upload your resume to our I Relaunch job board. Employers looking to hire relaunchers regularly peruse our job board for candidates for their career reentry jobs and programs. Okay, on to our podcast conversation. Today we welcome Kendra Johnson. Kendra attended our June 2019 conference in Chicago. That's when we used to have our conferences in person. They're now virtual, but at the time we were in Chicago. Shortly after attending, she was hired at the global insurance giant Markel Corporation, handling management liability claims, and is now senior counsel slash manager. Kendra had been out of the legal profession for over 12 years at the time. She's now been at Markel over three years and was recently honored with one of the company's Markel Style Awards for excellence. She was one of 11 people in the company who received the award this year. Kendra, welcome to 321 iRelaunch. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's so great to read about your progression from our conference to getting this role to being singled out for your excellence in performance. I just love reading about that and thinking about that. But let's start at the beginning. And I want to know if you can tell us a little bit about your background and what you did prior to your career break and what prompted you to step away to um, go on career break. Sure. Um, I grew up in central Illinois and went to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, spent four years there and knew pretty much all along I wanted to go to law school. So I went to Chicago Kent College of Law in Chicago, finished there in 1995 and went to work at a medium-sized law firm in Chicago, worked there for about seven or eight years. Then I moved to another medium-sized law firm for I think that one was three years and then moved to my final law firm until 2000, late 2006, early 2007. Um, I had a daughter in 2000 and then in 2004, I had twin girls. And so after spending 12-ish years doing commercial litigation at firms that I loved and with people I enjoyed working with, the parenting and working in a law firm uh, combination was very difficult. In addition, one of my daughters was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And at that time, the technology was not exactly what it is today. So she was young, she wasn't even two, and trying to make sure that she was being treated appropriately, that was not a responsibility I wanted to give to somebody else. So um, had the opportunity to step away and spend some time raising my daughters, which was an amazing experience. Wow, that's a lot, uh, and I, I, it's interesting to hear about the progression there, and and also what led to that career break and a number of years um, home with with your daughters. At some point, was there a moment where it was like a sudden moment where you thought, "This is it, and I have to stop. I have to go back to work," or was it sort of gradual? Or how did you figure out the right timing for relaunching your career? Sure. I did work for a little bit from about 2013 to 20, 
18 in a school system, just working in a health office. And so that was perfect. I was on the same school schedule as my kids. Um, it was some great benefits, but it was not a lucrative career to say mm -hmm. the least. Um, so in 2018, I had some personal life changes and knew that I needed to support myself uh, and my family accordingly. So I decided I wanted to go back to the practice of law in some way. I knew I did not want to go back to a law firm. Um, that was not something that I thought was appropriate for me at the time and where I was in my life. So I started looking at legal jobs that were either in-house or with insurance companies or something that wasn't specifically a law firm. Mm-hmm. And what was that journey like? Uh, you were attending, you attended our conference in 2019. You mentioned that you were thinking about this in 2018. So can you talk to us about some of the things that were going on that were part of that search? Um, and was there any updating involved? Was there networking? Um, maybe bring us back to that time for a little bit. Sure. I, I got serious in January of 2019 of looking for a job. Um, I had to go back and reinstate my law license <laughs> and had to learn how to use LinkedIn. I was not using that um, and began doing some searches with respect to relaunching and whether there were any relaunching possibilities in the legal career, in the legal field. Um, that's where I initially found I relaunch and was looking at articles and discussions on on the website. Um, I started reaching out to my network of colleagues. I had stayed in pretty good contact with a large number of people that I worked with over the three firms that I worked at. Um, and they had all ended up in different places. So um, a few were still left at one of the firms, but most of them had moved on to other areas. So I reached out to them. I talked to my neighbors. I did searches online to look for jobs that I thought would be appropriate. I gave my resume to um, a good friend of mine who's a general counsel at a firm. She went through it, updated it. She contacted people she knew. Um, other friends I had that I reached out, had lunch or dinner with them, asked them, you know, what, what's out there? What do you think would be good for me? Is the company or place you're working hiring? If you don't know of any of that, do you have any other leads? Um, and so I was continuously submitting resumes. Um, the Most of the interviews I received were based on a relationship that I had with a colleague somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I would apply into what I like to call the dark abyss <laughs> online. Yeah. Uh -huh. And um, I would then contact, I would look in LinkedIn, see who went at that company I knew um, or who had a contact at that company, reach out to my contact and say, hey, do you know of anybody over there? Or could you look at my resume? Could you submit it to somebody you know? Um, and so that ended up getting me two or three interviews. Um, and then I was still in the process of looking and I went to the iRelaunch conference um, at Northwestern, which again was in person, which was great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Understandably can't be done right now, but it was a, a great experience. There was a group of us who were there that were lawyers, um, which again, trying to relaunch into the legal space is a lot different. Um, there's not as many um, returnships. There's not as many opportunities. I'm hoping that's grown a lot in the last three years. Um, but at that time, there wasn't. So we were all sort of talking in one of our breakout sessions about what it was like um, to look for a job as a lawyer and what everybody else was doing. And then around that time is when I applied to Markel, 
I reached out to a very good friend of mine and said, hey, it looks like you know somebody there. Would you be willing to you know, send my resume? And she said, of course. And then that person happened to be out of state, but they sent it to the person who eventually hired me in Chicago. She called me up and said, hey, I don't have a position right now, but would you be willing to do of contract for mm. a bit mm-hmm. until we figure out whether or not a pr- we think a couple positions may open, but we don't know for sure. And you know, that's a risk and a gamble because (laughs) there's, you know, luckily there was benefits with it. So that helped me be able to make the determination. But um, I said, sure, I'd love to try it. And it's a great opportunity for me to make sure it's what I want to do and you to make sure that I'm the right fit for the company. So I spent three months almost before the official uh, position opened up. And that's when I became an official employee, but I had been working there since July of 2019. And that was a great way to launch into a space because nobody was stuck with the commitment, but everyone got a chance to see what they liked. And in this case, it worked out great. Wow. Okay. That is, that's quite a story. And there are so many pieces of it. I, I want to highlight. So, um, I'm just thinking about, First, when you said you had to reinstate your law license, so what was it? Did you have to take the bar again? Did you have to take uh, continuing ed? Like, what was involved in that? So, in the state of Illinois, you can put your law license in retirement, and you don't have to take uh, CLEs at the time. Um, and so, at that time, it was just paying a. a, a a fee. I didn't have to take the bar again. Thank goodness. I didn't want to have to do that again at my age. Um, So it was just paying a fee. Um, At the time, they were trying to decide if you had to go back and do at least half of your CLEs that you'd missed while you were retired. But subsequent to when I reinstated my license, the state Supreme Court determined that no, you did not have to go back. Um, You just had to start moving going forward to get CLEs. So it, it was not a difficult process. There was some concern that I might have to sit, sit in a lot of CLEs because I had been out for quite a while, um, but it ended up working out well that I did not have to do that. And just for our listeners, CLE, continuing legal education. Yes, right? correct. correct. Okay. All right. Uh, and then you said that you networked with the lawyers that you worked with at the three different law firms, uh, and you had already been out a number of years. So I'm just struck by the, you know, how at iRelaunch we talk about being frozen in time. And I had this whole thing myself when I I had been out for about 10 years and I got back in touch with people from the past and they all remembered me. And that's like a a point that's hard for some relaunchers. They think either someone's not going to remember them or they will remember them, but be kind of mad that they weren't really in touch. Now you said you were in touch, but what are those conversations, um, what were they like? Like, how did you open them? What did you, what did you say or write? And did most people remember you and you picked up where you left off or was something, something else involved? There were different levels. Um, There were people that I worked closely with one partner in particular, I had followed him to several different firms while we were working together. So he and I, you know, the bulk of the work that I did was with him. So he was one of the first people I reached out to. Um, so we had been in contact on social media. And occasionally when I was in the city, we would meet for lunch. So that was an easy contact. And a couple of the women that I worked with, also easy contact. I was still in touch with them on social media, um, reached out and said, hey, I'm going back to work. 
let me know, you know, what you think. Can we sit and talk about it? But there were some people that I reached out to that um, had I had worked with, but had not really stayed in touch with, or if I had, it had been very slight on social media. Um, and, you know, you're going to get all sorts of responses. You're going to get some people who are like, great, I can't wait to help you. Like my friend who was the general counsel who spent, you know, a good two hours looking at my resume and giving me suggestions and my former boss who, you know, got me my first interview. Um, so you have that. And then you'll have some people that'll, you know, just say, oh, I don't have anybody right now, which they may not. They don't mm-hmm. have the contact or um, you'll have people that you don't know really well that will go over and above for you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And people that you know really well that just are like, well, I don't have anything. So it's you get all sorts of responses. But I would say I'm a very outgoing person. So for me, reaching out to people, it was a little awkward, but not terrible. Um, mm-hmm. I think you just have to make that step, uh, that first step. Most people want to help. I know when I get a contact from somebody, whether it be somebody's child now <laughs> that are You're looking right. for a job or, <laughs> you know, former colleagues. I'm always one who says, yeah, let me see what I can do. And sometimes I can't help and I let right. them know that. But most of the time I'm willing to see if I can at least find something, connect um, that person with something. And so it, was, it wasn't terribly daunting, but it's a little awkward in some way, especially in the legal field when you've been out for so long. The law doesn't change, but some of the technology behind how you, you know, bill your hours or what programs you're working on, those have changed. But Mm -hmm. the the law itself has only changed in a way that, you know, is updated to the times. It's still the same legal analysis. It's still the same thought process. Um, So luckily, I didn't feel like the skill set really was out of out of touch or had had not really developed as it should have. I did also start trying to do a little bit of legal work um, pro bono or just trying to sharpened my skill set a little bit when I first started looking as well. Yeah, I want to ask you about that in a minute. But before I do, I just want to point out a couple of things that you're illustrating. Number one, going public with your job search. You know, you spoke with your neighbors, you spoke with your old colleagues, you you spoke with people who you were recommended to speak with, you didn't even really know, or you connected with somehow on social media. So you certainly went public with your job search. And then the description of, you know, sometimes people who you don't know very well are the ones who help you the most and the ones who you know well don't help you. It's this illustration of you have to have lots and lots of these conversations to yield the few that are actually meaningful in some way. And I, I just love how you you have a perfect illustration of that. Yeah. And I would say, too, you know, I applied to, you know, 30 or 40 jobs to get three or four interviews. It, it was not uncommon, even with contacts, even with having somebody, you know, put my resume in front of the right people. It still just didn't happen um, for whatever reason. So it does require a lot of continuous follow-up, applying at a lot of different places and using as many contacts as you have. Mm-hmm. But those contacts, so important to um, getting you to the point where you had those interviews. So you mentioned that that you had a few interviews can you talk about an interview or two that didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, or maybe you thought it was great, um, or were, did they ask you questions where you didn't really know the answer? What were some of those interview experiences, good and bad? Sure. Um, the first interview I had, I actually 
thought I was going to get the job based on the conversation in the interviews. Um, they had one other person to look at. The guy was very impressed with me. He said, you know, he was willing to look at what I, you know, what I had done in the past and thought it would be a good fit. And then it took a long time to get a response. And then when the response came, it was, you know, thank you for your uh, application. We've found somebody who's a little more qualified. And that was really disheartening. Yeah. <laughs> because, I you know, I thought, I thought maybe that was it. Um, mm-hmm. then, so that was the first one. And then I had the, the second interview I had was I walked into the company and the person who was interviewing me, she and I had been on opposite sides of a case when we were both practicing and her, our our names had changed. So we didn't realize who we were. And so we were both like, Oh my gosh, Hey, it's great to see you. Um, again, that one didn't work out for me either, but it was a little bit outside my skill set, So I wasn't extremely disappointed. Um, I remember going to one interview where the person who was interviewing me asked me about all these programs, computer programs. And again, Technology is not my biggest strength. I'm certainly good enough at it, but I wasn't up to date on all of the new programs, which I t- today I'm not even sure where those would apply, but he was asking me all these questions and I did not think that one went well because I had no idea what he was, <laughs> what he was talking about. Um, uh-huh. So that those are some of the, the highlights um, of the interview process that I went through. And then of course the last one where, you know, sh- she was very, upfront with me and said, we don't have a position, but I think we can find work for you. And I think we can figure it out. And that worked out perfectly. Okay. So that's super interesting. So it was like, we don't have, have anything right now, but they, um, the person immediately went to this concept of doing some sort of contract work. So there must've been something about the interaction that was making her feel like this is a good bet, you know, and, and to, to put, to try to bring you in on a contract basis. Yes. There was a person who was out intermittently on on leave. And so I was kind of sort of backfilling that role. But she had also gone to the same law school I had gone to uh, much later (laughs) than I had. But um, she was a very big proponent of hiring people from our law school. She knew that, you know, we had good skills. They were smart. She knew the firms that I worked at. So and was a big champion of promoting women in the workspace. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think all of that fit in. And then when she met me and I met a couple other people in the company, you know, I had same interviews that I would have if I was coming in laterally for a real position. She, you know, made sure I met everybody, made sure I liked everybody and they liked me. Um, And so that was a, a, I think, really important step because she knew, I think she saw that there was some good experience and skill set there, and she knew my background and said, "Let's give this a try." I mean, mm-hmm. we need somebody. We've got work to do. We're not sure we have a full role. This might be a perfect way to to launch. And was she kind of a mentor, in, like as you were coming, or were there other people who you were working with that gave you some support, knowing you were coming back after a career break, or what was it like in in the first month that you were there? So our group was relatively small in Chicago. We have people all over the country in this group, um, but still at the time it was maybe eight or nine people and she was my manager at the time. So yes, she was very much a mentor. So were the other two people that worked in the Chicago office with me. You know, they were the ones who got the daily questions. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> How am I doing this? Because I had not had claim experience. I had lots of legal experience, but I had never worked in claims. So there were some 
things that I didn't know intuitively. And so I needed just a little bit of reminder that, hey, what is this and how does this work in this program? And should I be doing this? Especially looking at things like coverage as to whether or not the policy covers the event. That was something that, again, I needed more guidance and everyone was fantastic about that. Um, And then my manager, the one who brought me in, got promoted to director and another one of my colleagues was promoted to my manager. She's currently still my, um, you know, I direct report up to her. Both of those women have been instrumental in really making sure that we have a diverse group of people and really promoting women in particular. And in my case, really making me feel confident and comfortable and making sure that my career path was um, going the way that I wanted it to and ended up having two promotions in the last year. And that's been, you know, a great, a great experience as well. Wow. You, you know, it, it, it almost mimics a returnship type program to have, you know, there's not the sort of formal programming that's in place, but the contract role and the media assignment and the mentoring, um, there's a lot of overlap there. Uh, and it sounds like uh, the people who you were working with were particularly astute and supportive. So um, d- did you have to learn new systems? Did you get trained along with any other people who, I don't know if anyone else was starting out, how did that part of it work? So Microsoft Word and Excel um, were systems that I luckily knew when I was working in the school system, I'd gotten pretty comfortable with those. Um, But the systems that we use for the actual claims management are completely unique and I had never worked with those before. So I definitely needed hands-on training with respect to those systems. in fact, I don't know if other carriers even use these systems. Um, again, I've not been in other insurance companies, so I can't say, but they definitely needed to train me. There was not anyone who came in at the time that I was starting. So it was very much looking to my you know, neighbor to the right or my neighbor to the left and saying, mm-hmm. hey, I'm trying to issue a check from this system. How do I do that? I'm trying to find a document in this system. How do I do that? Um, and it, you know, even today, I still find little tips and tricks that make it easier to use um, those uh, systems. So that was something that I definitely needed training on. We have since grown to almost 20 people and we do formal onboarding and it's through the last few years, I've seen them really get good about how we train people, how they come into the, the group and really making sure that it's a easier transition when you're working on brand new systems. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned you're, you've been promoted twice in a three-year period and your title now includes manager. So I'm wondering, did you move from an independent contributor role into a management role where people are reporting to you or like what, tell us a little bit about the promotions. Sure. So at the beginning of January 2022, I was promoted to um, an executive role. At that point, no one was uh, actually reporting to me, but there was some discussions that that might be eventually something that would happen down the road. Um, But I was doing things such as mentoring other uh, people who would come in, um, sort of supervising in a way of assisting and, and helping new hires. Um, And then 
fortuitously, um, though a loss for our group, my manager decided to take another role at another company and um, they said, apply for it, please. And so I applied for the, the job and got it. I now manage eight people, which to go from zero to eight <laughs> is right. a big difference. Mm-hmm. But I also have raised three girls and I think mm-hmm. that, you know, my experience as a parent uh, and being a little bit older has made that an easier transition than it might have been elsewise. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. Uh, and w- you also got the award. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So we have a corporate creed, the Markel style, and every year, um, People are nominated for that award, and it is given out to a small group of people. Um, This year, it was 11 of us, and uh, I did not know I was nominated. I did not know that I had won. We have a presentation where the whole company gets to see it on video, the awards Mm -hmm. um, presentation on video at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time because we're all over the world. And um, I had gotten a call the day before saying, hey, we're going to... We, we think somebody from our office has been awarded this. We're going to all meet in the office and watch it online. <laughs> and so, you know, that was a little shocking yeah. <laughs> to, to see that I had won um, and great. not know that it was coming. So it was, um, it was amazing. And then I had the opportunity, the company offered us the opportunity to come for our shareholders meeting. So um, I think there were six of us who made it and, those six individual, five other individuals I met were just amazing people. And it was such a great experience. I got to see the company. I had never been to the corporate office in Virginia. And I got to meet other people in the company in different roles and uh, got to meet senior leaders. And it was really a great experience. And I was extremely honored um, to have received that award. It was the first year in several years that somebody from claims had been in, had been awarded the award. And actually two of us from claims got the award that year. So um, it was, it was something that made me very proud of what I had done over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm just thinking about you as a relauncher coming off of that long career break. Um, being with the promotions and going from independent contributor to being a manager and winning this award. It's, uh, it sets, it's such an example and uh, that about relauncher potential. And uh, I, I am so excited that we're having this conversation because I want more and more relaunchers to be inspired, but I also want more and more employers to hear um, exactly what you're talking about. It's so important. Do you think, are there people um, in uh, your, I guess the Chicago office and also um, in the bigger company, do you think they're aware that you took a career break, but, or at this point you've been back a number of years and people don't even realize it? Um, I'm very vocal about it, actually, uh, because I do think it's important. I think that those people who have left uh, the career, their career for whatever reason, for an extended period of time, have a great skill set that is extremely valuable and sometimes gets overlooked. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, again, being a little bit older, I had some maturity. I had some life experience on top of uh, my skill set. And I think that makes a difference. A big portion of what we do is client relationships. And 
relationships with our colleagues and relationships with people in the company. And I'm really good at that. And I learned that skill over, you know, 30 some years that didn't come Mm -hmm. right out of college. And so I think having that skill set and having that ability to make those connections really helped me in the role that I was in. Because that was often what we heard back from clients or colleagues. You know, she's always responding. She's, you know, she's responsive. She helps us when needed. She will take care of things that maybe aren't her responsibility, but get us an answer. And that that's an important skill. And I, I don't know that you, not that you can't come out of college knowing that, but I think it develops as you get older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and that's, you know, one of the great attributes of relaunchers in, in general. So again, illustrating um, something so important about uh, the relaunching population. And, and that's a great way to wrap up our conversation because uh, we're already at the end of our time. And I want to wrap up by asking you the question we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Um, my best piece of advice is network, network, network. Mm-hmm. Make the calls, reach out to people, whether you know them really well or whether you just have a casual acquaintance, explain to them what you're looking for. And sometimes they won't be able to help you, uh, but that's okay. It might lead you to somebody else because I did have a circumstance where one of the jobs I applied for, uh, a colleague said, oh, I don't have anything, but I know somebody over here that does. And so then I reached out to that person and we got connected. Again, wasn't the role that I ended up in, but it was a more uh, interviewing experience. And gave me another lead. And that's really what you're looking for when you're trying to relaunch. You're looking for, if you don't have the ability to go through a a returnship, you are looking for leads for positions that fit what you're looking for. And I think when you've been out of the workforce for a little bit, you know exactly what you want and what you Mm -hmm. don't want. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Um, Yeah, we talk about that. We um, are are more self-aware. We're more fully formed as people. We've lived more life. And it's different than when we were in that exploratory mode much earlier in our career. So yet another attribute of of the relauncher pool. So I'm really glad you pointed that out. And I I couldn't agree more about this, uh, this networking piece of it. And when you think about it, you really have nothing to lose, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. you have no job as you're sitting there. So the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to still have no job. Or the best thing that's going to happen is you're going to have a contact that leads to a job. Exactly. Well, I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Kendra, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great to meet you. Yes, it was great for me too. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. One more reminder for our listeners who are actively relaunching to make sure to register and upload your resume to our iRelaunch job board, because that is where employers are looking to hire relaunchers for their career reentry jobs and programs. Also, be sure to visit iRelaunch.com to access our many return to work tools and resources and to sign up for our mailing list so you can receive our weekly return to work report featuring career reentry programs and jobs. Thank you for joining us.